and welcome to episode 54 of Role Play Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands and the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. What happens when you interview an interviewer? You tend to compare notes, and that is pretty much what we do today. Our guest is Derek, the host of the How Not to DM podcast. If you aren't familiar with his show, I highly recommend you go check it out. If you like my show, you're probably going to like his too. Derek also interviews folks in the TTRPG space. His focus tends to be on DMing, and he always makes a point to ask about mistakes his guests have made as a DM so that we can learn from them. Of course, they also talk about good things too, and there's always some really pretty entertaining stories. He is in his second season now and added a super fun game element that's tailored to the guest. So again, definitely go look up his show if you haven't already. If this is your first time tuning into Roleplay Grow, hello! This podcast is a part of Lightheart Adventures, which is a small company I co-founded with my husband. We've got blogs, one-shots, maps, all of which you'll find over at our website, lightheartadventures.com. As for Roleplay Grow, this podcast updates weekly on Fridays, and I chat with a lot of really cool people across a wide spectrum of industries within the TTRPG scene. So be sure to subscribe to Roleplay Grow on your favorite podcast player. Another way you can support the show is by checking out our affiliate links, which we have compiled for you at lightheartadventures.com slash our favorite trinkets. You'll find information about some of our favorite dice, tea, coffee, podcasting equipment, email marketing service, and a whole bunch more. We only link to things that we personally use and enjoy, and you can grab yourself something cool while helping support this show. Again, go to lightheartadventures.com slash our favorite trinkets to learn more. All right, that is all for now. So please enjoy this conversation with Derek. I'm super excited to now introduce y'all to Derek, the host and producer of the How Not to DM podcast. Hello, Derek. What's How are you tonight? I'm so good, Courtney. Thanks for having me on RPG. Great name, by the way. And I love the logo. I love how you incorporated each of the parts of the words into it. You know, the role has the dice in it, the play, and then the grow with the leaf masterclass. Love it. You know, I would like to take credit for that, but I have to shout out my logo slash video slash everything designer, Caleb Carroll. He's actually somebody that works with us over on a Warcraft radio. And I knew that I was like, hey, I'm doing a thing and I want something and make it for me. And yeah, he's pretty clever like that. Shout out to Caleb. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I'm doing well. But uh, like you said, I am the host of the How Not to DM podcast. I've been going about as long as you, maybe a little bit less time. I started in April of last year of 2021. So I just hit my year mark uh, a few episodes ago. Yeah. You've got a few more episodes than I do as well. I took uh, a a bit longer break in the fall, but yeah, things have been going really well. I've had a lot of fun guests and yeah, I've really enjoyed what I've heard of your show as well. So I always love checking out other podcasts that people are doing. I love listening to other people interview because it gives me ideas for how to, you know, improve my show too. So I, I listen to as many interviews as I can when I'm not listening to actual plays or whatever else. I mean, same. I, I had the idea for this like 
about a year and a half before I actually did it. And then it was just oh, trying yeah. to figure out the niche. And so it was yeah. like, oh, there weren't like a whole lot. And then by the time I started, I was like, oh, there's a lot of interview podcasts. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same exact thing. <laughs> we'll get into that in a bit. But it's funny. I like your your niche that you found, though. I I feel like a lot of the people I talked to, like there's some d- definitely some overlap, but I loved hearing from like store owners and that kind of thing. And those are kind of people that I haven't really broken into to trying to talk to. So yeah, it's, it's great to hear all the different perspectives from the community. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but please tell us a little bit more about yourself. You know, where are you from? How'd you get into gaming? All that fun stuff. Yeah. So I live in the great state of Utah. Uh, I grew up in Colorado. Uh, These are both in the USA. They're right next to each other in the Rocky Mountains. So kind of spent my whole life in and around the mountains. It's not my whole personality, but it's a big part of it. So yeah, that's, that's where I live. I've been gaming, specifically tabletop gaming, since probably end of 2018, start of 2019. So uh, a lot longer than I would think. But yeah, I've been doing it for a while. I got into it because my coworkers were playing D&D and I thought it sounded really cool. Already big into fantasy and into sci-fi and that kind of thing. I think it permeates the pop culture at this point. So even if people aren't tabletop gamers, you know, they've seen Lord of the Rings or they've read the Harry Potter books or, or whatever it might be. So yeah, luckily we live in a time where it's it's more of the norm than it is like, oh, these are the weird people in the basement, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, started playing with my coworkers. We started a Curse of Strahd game. They invited me. I think we I ended up playing like two or three sessions with them and then it didn't really go anywhere, which is okay. But two of the coworkers, we decided we would all start playing at lunch. So we invited other people from our department and we started a Lost Mine of Fandelver game at lunch. And we played two to three times a week for an hour. And that that's kind of like where I really got into it. And then about halfway through that game, I thought to myself, oh, this DMing thing can't be that hard, right? Like <laughs> I could easily write my own adventure and, and run games. And so I started writing my own adventure, ran it for my coworkers, and the rest is history. Okay, so tell me about a two to three time weekly hourly session. Yeah, it's tough, especially yeah. when you're mid-combat. <laughs> you know, combat could take the whole lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, if we like had to wrap it up before combat was done, trying to remember whose turn it was and like how many hit points everybody had, it was all a little goofy. But we were in conference rooms, and so we had the whiteboard up on the wall, and that was our battle map. And, you know, someone was playing like some music on their laptop. We just had a good time. So it was, it was a lot of short you know, bite-sized sessions, hard to keep track of, but it turned out okay. And yeah, that's that's really how I got started. I'm going to say it's really funny that you talk about doing that because I had a one-on-one with my manager today. I just started a new job and I just met everybody in person a couple weeks ago. Thanks. And while I was meeting everyone in person for the first time, they all wanted to know like, so what is Dungeons and Dragons? And so I spent like the course of an entire dinner, having to explain it to three different people at different times. And I was like, I just want to eat my steak, man. <laughs> and now today my manager is like, so do you think we could do it as a team building activity? Ooh. I'm like, why? Yes. Yes, we can. Oh, that's how you get them. That's how you get them. Honestly, the more people out there to play games with, the better. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. You'll have to let us all know how that turns out. <laughs> yeah. 
I need to think of a very tame starter adventure. Something that you can get done in a one shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's always the challenge, isn't it? It is. You'll probably have to put together character sheets for them too. Oh yeah. I when I first started running my own game that wasn't for my coworkers, it was like some old college roommates and my wife and and my brothers. I sent them all one of those like twenty question quizzes that's like, what class and race should you play? And so that's how I got them to like figure out what character they would be, and then I built all the characters for them. So it takes a lot of time, but it's totally worth it if they play. You know. Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. Like, I'd already thought about, okay, I'll make characters for them, but getting Uh some actual input would be nice. So they'd get more invested. Yeah, and maybe have them take it a few times. That way, if you get duplicates, because you don't want, Mm -hmm. like, three druids in one party. Like, you could do it, but, you know, (laughs) it's just more fun if there's variety. Although one day, I definitely want to play in a campaign where it's, we are all bards. We can be Bard different campaign. subclasses of bards, but I just, I want to be a band on tour and I think it would be awesome. Have you ever listened to Bombarded? It's a, an actual play podcast. So they did that. It's a band. They're from Dallas, Fort Worth area, and they all play bards. And then they just multi-classed into a few other classes, mm-hmm. but they're all going to like bard school together. And that's the, that's, that's awesome. the premise. Yeah. So you should check that out for some inspiration. That sounds great. I will take note of that. Yeah. So we've gotten to the story about about how you got into gaming in the first place. At what point did you think about doing this podcast? How did that come to be? I think I was driving home from holidays, like winter holiday break. And I was talking to my wife in the car and I was like, I just, I feel like I need to do something. Like I need a new hobby and I don't know what it's going to be, but I want it to be related to tabletop role-playing games because I love them. And we kind of bounced ideas off each other and I settled on, I'm going to do a blog and I'm going to send people a list of questions and they'll fill them out. And then I'll just publish that as an article and it'll ask them like how they got into it, what they like, what they dislike, blah, blah, blah. And then my main focus was like, I want to, I want to know what mistakes they feel like they've made so that we can learn from them because Something that I love listening to, or well, I love listening to actual play shows and, and watching streams and stuff because I love watching the DM run things. You know, I'm there partially for the entertainment, but I'm also there to get ideas and to get inspiration from the way people run their games because that's what I do most of the time when I'm when I'm playing. It's it's you know as a DM or a GM. So I really wanted to like find a way to get inside the head of all of these DMs and GMs that I love and figure out what makes them tick, why they do the things they do. And then also what big errors they feel like they've made blunders, problems they've caused and how I could avoid those myself. So like, Hey, if you ask 20 different people, all the mistakes they've made, that means that's 20 different mistakes. You're not going to make yourself sometime in the future. So that, that was kind of the premise. I don't know why I thought a blog would be a good idea in 2021, but I thought it might be. So I started doing it and then I reached out to a local show here in Utah called Knocked Prone. Cade, the DM, is my first podcast guest if you go all the way back to listen to episode one. So I was chatting with him and I said, hey, do you want to do this? And he said, yeah, but we should just record it and then you could get a transcript later and and publish it. And I thought, all right, yeah, I'll give that a try. And so I did it. And then I, I had this recording in my hands and I was like, 
how hard is it to just publish this as a podcast? I am one of the people who uh, I was just listening to your episode with Emil today, and he was talking about Nate from Reckless Attack and how opposite Emil and Nils were from Nathan and the Reckless Attack crew. Mm -hmm. One was like, well, we're just going to do a podcast and then get better as we go. And the other Reckless Attack is like way good from the start. So I'm definitely in the first camp. I was just like, I guess I'm going to publish this and see what happens. And I have slowly gotten better. So yeah, improved mic quality, better recordings, better editing, better producing, you name it. It's a work in progress that I'm learning and growing, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, So yeah, stumbled into it, stumbled into podcasting and just have been trying to get better and learn as much as I can about it since. So there's still times where people are talking about it and they're like, what about this file thing? Or what about this audio editing technique? And I don't even know the words because I I can't make them up on the spot. And (laughs) I still like hear people talk about stuff and I'm like, I have no idea what they are saying. I do the same thing they do. But I don't know. I, I know none of these words. So I, I'm definitely still learning about all of it. But I really enjoy it. And it's been a ton of fun this past year. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool how it started as an idea for one format. And then it just made sense to convert like quickly. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of myself as a podcast person. You know, people always right? make jokes about millennials and getting into podcasting. But here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eh, what else were we gonna do during COVID? Let's be real. Honestly, honestly, I, I can only play so many hours of Skyrim before my brain falls out of my head. So here we are. I like just got Skyrim again. I haven't played it in a very long time. And uh yeah, that's definitely a spiral. I am trying to like be lightly going down. Yes. Not working too well. <laughs> yes. So for that first episode, since you had no plans to publish it, what were you recording on? I had just my MacBook and I was using the MacBook microphone. Honestly, mm-hmm. it sounds okay. Like the the microphones, this is a MacBook Pro. The microphone on it is not too shabby. Then I started recording on these. It's a headset for no one who can, or for everybody who can't see. Just a JBL headset, not a good mic. Then I bought one for like $10 from Amazon. Also not a good mic, but slightly better. Then I decided to quote unquote get serious. I looked on Facebook Marketplace and found a snowball, uh, a blue snowball for like 30 bucks used. Bought that. That served me very well. The only reason I switched to this blue Yeti that I'm recording on now is because I found one for 60 bucks on Facebook Marketplace used. So I bought it. So I have spent less than $100 total on microphones thus far, and I feel okay about that, you know, and I'm keeping the snowball around just in case I ever get a record in person with somebody. I don't know if that'll happen, but I don't know why I'm keeping it around, but I am. Hopefully will last for a while, but it could fail eventually, and then at least you'd have a backup. Yeah, everyone tells me I need a spring for like a $300 one. Just haven't done it yet. I don't know. I I don't know about you, but I just don't make a ton of money off of this. It's mostly for fun, and I prefer <laughs> to spend money on, on books for games and stuff instead. So we'll see if I ever spring for one. Yeah, you know, like getting rich off of podcasting, that, that totally happens, right? Yep. Yep. We're all, we're all getting rich guys. Join in, join in on the fun. (laughs) (laughs) One day, baby. Today is not that day. Nope. Tomorrow's not looking good either. 
So we talked about your mic upgrades over time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but what about the rest of your process? Like as you started to say, oh, I think I could do this. How has that changed over time? Yeah. Again, like I said, still learning a lot of stuff. I'm still very low tech as a podcast goes. I started recording, I want to say it was Discord to start uh, using Craig and Giark his evil twin brother. And that served me fairly well for a while. And then I found Zencaster, which you use as well. It's free right now and super easy to use, like from the guests point of view as well. I had a few guests who were wizened, you know, they were a bit higher level than me and just making sure that they understood how that get onto Discord and like record at the same time was sometimes a struggle. So Zencaster has been nice. Uh, as far as editing goes, I've just been on GarageBand. I dabbled with a tool called DaVinci Resolve that one of my guests recommended to me. And every once in a while, if I have a really bad audio problem, like fan noise in the background or something, I will break that out to just try to minimize the noise there. But most of the time, And especially as my guests have been more experienced, my audio quality has just gone up because they don't have a bunch of noise in the background to deal with too. And you know how that is. I've just been using GarageBand to edit. Currently, I'm part of a a new studio called uh, The Fourth Culture. It's been around for a year and some change, but uh, Ramji, the the DM of the show, decided to kind of put together a group of people, of creators that he wanted to work with. And so I've been using their editors to help edit most of my new season, which has been really nice. I do a little bit of work here and there, and then they kind of handle the bulk of it. So that's been a, a, a nice upgrade to my pr- editing process. But yeah, hopefully a lot of cool stuff's going to come from that collaboration. We have some ideas for short run streams and podcasts, some new game shows and other stuff like that. So be on the lookout for for new content featuring me or featuring other people from uh, the fourth culture. How did you get hooked up with them? Yeah, so Ramji is one of my first guests and he was running a stream out of Singapore. So he and his four players all lived in Singapore. And I thought it'd be cool to chat with someone who his game is based in a a homebrew world based on Asian folklore and myth. So yeah, I I wanted to chat with someone who's kind of doing something different than ye olde European based, you know, fantasy campaigns like a lot of us are used to. So yeah, chatted with him then, just kind of was in contact with him here and there. And then he reached out kind of at the end of 2021 and said, yeah, I'm, I'm putting something together. I'd like for you to be a part of it. So yeah, I guess that falls under networking. Yeah, the, the more people you meet, the more likely it is that someone's going to have an opportunity for you sometime in the future. So make friends and keep your promises and be a good person and good stuff will come of it, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. I guess let's talk about equipment. So you've got the Blue Yeti now, and then I can see some other things around you. So for our listeners, what other equipment are you using? Yeah, I I just have some foam pads for my wall to try to keep the echo noise down. My sister-in-law actually bought this for me for Christmas. We did kind of a round robin 
Secret Santa deal. And she was like, oh, you're doing a podcast now. You you want this? And I was like, yeah, sure. That's great. I, I love that. So yeah, she got me those. I have a, a boom arm for the mic too that I bought. It was the cheapest one you could find. And it served me very well. And it's nice because I can move it out of my way when I'm actually working at my desk and not recording. Other than that, that's kind of the only tech I use. I do have some stuff I use for like social media posts and whatnot, but we can we can dig into that uh, later if you like. How well have those foam things been working for you? I I think they've been working well. To be very honest, I don't know if I have nice enough headphones or sharp enough ears to tell, but so far they seem to be doing the job. I'm honestly asking because I'm debating getting some myself. Yeah. I'll tell you what, my buddy Navar, who runs the Secret Nerd podcast, he showed me a picture. I'm sure he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he showed me a picture of his little setup. He built this cage, basically a box out of PVC pipe, and then has surrounded himself by blankets and towels. And that's what he records in. I think it's all in his garage, too. It might might get a little hot in the summer, but it would be great sounding. No echo, you know. <laughs> True. And I know there's some other people that'll just record inside their walk-in closet. <laughs> yes, with all the clothes hanging, right? Yeah, not a bad idea. They've been working well so far, I think. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and, you know, it's a fun conversation starter when you're on camera, too. Yes. Usually, what is that? And then what are all the books behind you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I guess I want to know more about the timeline at this point of you recorded your first episode with no intention of turning it into a podcast. And then you thought, hmm, how could I turn this into a podcast? So did you just publish that episode by itself without anything else lined up? Or like walk me through how you moved on from that first interview into actually starting this podcast? Yeah. So I, I looked around and I found Anchor. I'm not on Anchor anymore, but it was great and I had no qualms with it. I've just moved over since this. we moved to the studio thing. So I found Anchor. I was like, wow, it's free. And you can start off with an Anchor ad and they'll pay you a, a cent and a half per listen if you just run their ad. And I was like, well, that's probably more money that I'm going to make <laughs> from anyone else for the start. So yeah, I found Anchor, found out it was super easy, published the first episode. And as I was publishing it, or as I was like editing it to publish it, I began looking for other people to then interview. I figured, hey, yeah, I'm going to do this podcast thing. I did stop doing the transcriptions because I I did it for the first episode and it was so much more work, especially for little payoff. I'd love to get back into it. I've kind of been putting that off, but I found a few automated tools online that say they're pretty good at picking up what people say. So I might look into it in the future. And especially because I'd love to have it out there just so people if they wanted to read could or if they're hard of hearing or whatever, you know, and it being accessible to that audience as well would be great. So yeah, maybe someday I'll get to it. But yeah, recorded that episode started editing it thought, yeah, I could probably keep doing this. I'm going to start looking for more guests. So I did. And I just started DMing people on Twitter, reaching out to them on, on Discord, whatever it was, finding people I thought were interesting who were doing cool stuff, whose work I really enjoyed, and just reached out to them and asked them. Figured I probably should set up a, an email account right after that. So set up an email account, logo, and, and that kind of stuff to seem official. And then it, it's it's just the, the, the gif of 
I don't remember which Looney Tune, but they're like putting the railroad tracks out in front of the train as it's going. And that's exactly what it's been ever since. So I was like, uh, yeah, I'm recording these episodes. And then I got to like September, October, and I was like, should I do a season? Should I just call this my first season? Yeah, I'm going to do a season. And so I'm going to call that my first season. And now I'm going to do a break and then plan for my second season. So I finished, I think, my my last episode published in the first or second week of November for my first season. I took a break, but during that time, so I wasn't recording much, but I was reaching out to a lot more people to kind of set up my second season. And then I started recording kind of holiday time to get ready for that. So I usually, like like you do, I usually have like four to six weeks worth of interviews at any given time, just in case someone has to reschedule or whatever it might be. It's just nice to have some some lead time like that. And so, yeah, then I started my second season and that's what I'm right in the middle of. And that's that's kind of how it's been going as far as like figuring it out. Like, like I said, I just slowly was like, oh, I should do this and I should do that and I should have a break. And so, yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting into a rhythm. I think I'll have another break late summer and then I'll start season three and, and keep going. So yeah, things things are working out though so far. I've learned a lot of things. I've made a lot of blunders, but so far are so good. Ah, that's awesome. And I've definitely really enjoyed listening to your show. And I really do enjoy like the game segment that you have mm, now. Yes. So yeah, I want to dive into that. So for say for listeners and they're not if they haven't yet listened to your show and they are totally going to go listen after this episode, then yeah. Yeah. Tell me about what that segment is and then let's just dive into that. Yeah. So like I said, I took that break in November and December of last year and I had a few goals. I wanted to get a bunch of guests for season two. I wanted to redesign my logo and stuff just to make it more interesting. It used to be a gray background and kind of boring. And so I looked for other ways to spice it up. And then I wanted to look for ways to kind of change and make the show more interesting as it was my new season, you know? So I went and found new intro and outro music. I was looking for ideas for segments. And I talked to a guy who produced podcasts for NPR for a lot of years. So he did a lot of the editing and production for a lot of the shows that NPR converts from talk radio to podcasts or just makes specifically as podcasts. And so he had a ton of great ideas. Uh, So shout out to Steve, if you're listening, I really appreciate all that help. Yeah, so his suggestion was to think of some kind of like way to break up the interview and to make it fun and interesting. I don't remember the exact guidelines, but he was just basically like, think think of something that you could put in there that'd be fun and interesting and random related to the topic of the show and would interest people. So I created Quickfire Chaos. It's never the same. And by that, I mean like each week I might do a different version of it because the guest I have on has a specific set of skills that I want to showcase. But there's always some kind of random element to it. So for example, the first version I did, I had Johnny Stanton on, who is a professional American football player. And I thought we should do a fantasy football team. Uh, So we'll like make a team and we'll pick races and classes and what position they'd be good at and why, like what, what skills they have and stuff that would make them good at that position. So we did that. Uh, A lot of the time I'll have the guest roll dice on some random D100 tables. I pull off Reddit to like make up a little fetch quest. And then we'll do like a quick two minute role play between us where I pretend to be like an adventurer looking for some quests. They give me the quest, but it's, it's totally random, right? Like I just tell them, okay, roll a dice. 
okay, you're going to be a, a beekeeper and you want me to go look for the heart of a nymph and you're really gruff. And so they have to like on the spot, pretend to be that character and then send me on that quest. And we just kind of have a little back and forth and it just shows how well they can think of things to spice it up on the spot. Uh, the other side of that for a lot of like game designers and uh, adventure writers, I've done uh, a version where we roll dice to pick like a setting and a goal. And then I let them kind of noodle and think about what a cool adventure would be that would fit into the random thing um, that we've picked. So yeah, it's, it's always randomness and it's always meant to just kind of showcase the guest skills around whatever it is they're good at. So whether they're really good at role playing and voices and, and being creative, or they're good at thinking of ways to tie stuff together for adventure arcs or whatever else. Uh, so yeah, just, just a kind of a fun random thing to throw in the middle of the episode and to be a little different every time, but to always show off the cool stuff that my guests can do. Have you ever had any of those guests balk at whatever the activity was? Every guest save one has been totally game. The only one who didn't, Tim Roven from Tabletop Audio, he didn't balk. He just said he hadn't run games in a while and didn't really want to. And I said, that's okay. And honestly, that meant to me, like I was going to make him role play. But what I should have done was think of a better way to play to his strengths and like think of some random encounters. And then he would tell me what kind of music he would score. So if I had the chance, I would go back and do that. But, you know, maybe I'll have him on again someday and I can do that. But yeah, the, it, it was more of a, of a personal failing than him not being good at something. But yeah, every other guest I learned from that experience and have thought of a better way to showcase what they can do and what they're comfortable with. And then make sure that it uh, works out. I think it's really cool how you personalize it to each of them. And it, I mean, it always makes it interesting because you never know like what exactly is going to happen uh, every episode. Yeah. So it's and, fun. And <laughs> we don't either. Like I said, it really is them rolling and we pick it from random tables. So there's no like hand waving or me giving them like a three day head start to, to prepare something. It's always on the spot. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey entrepreneurs, I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I could really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page where you'll gain access to behind the scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, and you could even receive a shout out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. And now back to the show. Well, I guess that leads me into wanting to know and maybe compare notes a bit on how do you prepare for each of your interviews? It's a great question. I've done a little bit of interviewing in the past. I worked for my college's newspaper. So I did some interviews uh, for that. I, I kind of wrote feature stories and did a lot of interviews for different things around campus and the community. So I had that experience. And then my buddies and I in later in college, put together a sports blog and we got to cover some local university sports and then also some uh, professional teams in our area, which was super cool. And that also got me interviewing people and thinking of questions and, and doing research and stuff. So I'd done it before, which was good. Tabletop interviews are slightly different, but they're not too dissimilar from any other interview. Oftentimes, if I have a guest on who's been interviewed before, I will go seek out those interviews specifically 
listen to them and try to pinpoint questions that a lot of people ask them so that I can avoid those because they've already been asked and answered, Your Honor. You know, we, we might as well ask them some interesting stuff that they don't get to talk about very much. And then I try to pinpoint on a few things that I think would be fun to ask them based on their projects, based on their experiences, based on my consumption of whatever it is they do. And so, yeah, I, I, I listen to interviews they've done. If it's people who create stuff, I try to get familiar with the stuff they create. Uh, most of the time I am familiar and that's why I'm asking them to be on my show is because I'm a fan of what they do already. Uh, but yeah, I, I try to ask a few specific things about their work that will be interesting. Uh, so I kind of have half of my questions are more standard that I ask every guest and then half of them I try to personalize specifically based on on what it is they do and and what I think will be interesting for people to listen to and also what I find interesting from it. So yeah, that's kind of the prep I do mostly. I try not to reinvent the wheel. I try to keep it as simple as possible. I'm not trying to do gotcha interviews really. Like I'm not trying to put people on the spot and make it awkward. Uh, I want to be respectful of their time. So yeah, that, I try to keep my my questions relatively tame, but I want to get to the meat of of what they do and why and what makes it really interesting. I like that. You definitely uh, raised some really good points. I'm like, oh, I might actually change my approach somewhat. A lot of times I'm like, I'll listen to one or two interviews that someone has done, but I don't want to listen uh-huh. to too much because I'm like, oh, I don't want to spoil it too much. Yeah. But at the same I- time. Yeah. Especially like if it's someone that's doing a Kickstarter and they have like five different interviews lined up, like they're answering the same questions all of the time. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. That would be a way to make it more interesting for the guest. Yeah. Yeah. I I do. I don't listen to everything they've put out, but I try to listen to at least a couple Mm -hmm. that are a few years apart. So it's, it's a good snapshot. And if they tell the same story twice, then I know not to ask about that story, you know, like, because they've already told it and everyone who cares about them has probably already heard it. So yeah. Well, I guess I don't, I usually have people on who are specifically trying to promote something that's time sensitive. And usually people have cool projects they're working on anyway, but that way, like you said, it's not the same interview they're giving five Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. Is there any guests in particular that you were just like ridiculously excited or surprised when they said yes? Yeah, there've been quite a few. To be honest, not many people... Like there's, there's maybe like five or so that I have reached out to that I just didn't hear from and we could chalk that up to spam filters or, you know, they have someone else check their inbox and it just didn't get to them or whatever. Right. I, I'm not, I'm not out here to assume that every creator or, or all these people uh, just hate me and don't want to be on my show. You got to tell yourself that to sleep at night anyway. Uh, so there have yeah, been like a handful of people I just never heard from or who politely declined. Just about everybody else has been totally up for it and willing to give me their time. You know, people who have a lot of followers and a lot of stuff they're working on constantly. B. Dave Walters comes to mind as a extremely, as an extremely busy person. He's basically in every stream, runs tons of stuff, does tons of stuff all the time. And he's got, you know, kids and he sleeps sometime, I'm assuming. So I don't know (laughs) how he does it. And I I was really grateful that he thought, you know, being on, on my show was worth an hour of his time. So that was a huge compliment to me personally. But yeah, he was so much fun. 
And I was really surprised that that he said yes. I have a few upcoming guests. Johnny Stanton, my first guest of, of season two, was really cool. I I think he'd been on maybe one other podcast at that point, but I hadn't found it until after. But I was like, yeah, he's an NFL player. Like, maybe he's got time. I should just see. And yeah, he, he was like, he answered really quickly and was totally up for it. I've had a, a few people who've worked on specifically like D&D stuff, like James and Tricasso was a lot of fun and I was super excited. Beth the Bard, who wrote uh, She is the Ancient, she was really, really friendly and really accommodating as well. So I, I've had a lot of people I've been really excited about. But like I said, just about everybody I have on my show, I'm already a fan of. So like anytime I get someone on, it's because I like them a lot and I like their stuff. And so it's just, it's just fun to talk to all of them really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. fair. I definitely think my emails that hit the spam filter a little too often. And so I've been trying to change up my approach for some yeah. people. Cause yeah. Especially at the beginning, I was like, well, I don't know if it's because I'm new or if they just haven't seen the email, but no one's answering me. Yeah. And sometimes they don't respond to anything like that. Like Mm -hmm. I know a few people out there who've had some really big names on their shows and it was their publicist or their PR person or whatever Mm -hmm. who reached out and set it up, right? Like some people just don't do requests they're the ones who come out and say, hey, can I be on your show? And you say, yes, whenever you want. I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. Like I said, just about everybody I've reached out to has been more than game to be on and is really excited and comes prepared. I haven't had a single guest come on and be like not fun to talk to. Like all of them have been ready to go and have enjoyed their time or at least pretended to enjoy it <laughs> for my sake. So <laughs> I, everyone's been really polite so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you said that at the beginning you started reaching out and DMing people on Twitter. Has anything Uh about your approach changed? It depends. Uh, A lot of the people I've been reaching out to lately don't have open DMs for a good reason. It's it's a dangerous world out there. You know, (laughs) you you can't be too careful. But a lot of them will have websites or email address contacts. And so, yeah, it's kind of shifted there. I do get a lot of people DMing me about being on the show. But I just, I have so many people already on the backlog and the wish list that it's it's kind of hard to to make spots and I feel bad about it but also there's tons of shows out there and if you're trying to get on a show I guarantee you someone out there is looking for a guest so if you're looking to be on a show you know keep trying and keep looking around and I know that you're going to find one that you'll love to be on but yeah uh, my approach definitely has changed it's probably more formal now than it was you know I've got like google docs I share and and I don't have a form yet, but I know some people who do like a form that that people fill out or whatever. And, you know, I share events on Google so that it's on everyone's calendar and I send follow-up emails and blah, blah, blah. It's, <laughs> it is a bit more formal, but the good news is I've worked desk jobs for a while, so I'm at least familiar with all this stuff. So I want to switch gears a bit and talk about the super fun marketing and social media aspect of everything. When you first started, you were going to do a blog, changed your mind, decided to do a podcast instead, realized you should probably set up some stuff for it. So how has your process for just interacting with people online and advertising your show, like how has that grown over the last year? It's been good. I have learned a lot of things in the past year about 
what works and what doesn't as far as like engagement on social media and marketing. Uh, There's a lot of things I am still doing that probably don't work. And I'm just doing it because I feel like I have to like posting on Instagram and and TikTok. I'm posting stuff that people don't care about on those platforms. So it's fine. But you know, I just keep doing it. Along with my journalism experience in college, I did a lot of volunteer work for activities committees at the at school. And I did some volunteer stuff for like charity events. So I did a lot of like guerrilla social media marketing. Like I didn't actually study it, but I just like did it. Twitter was really big when I was in college. It wasn't that long ago, but that's kind of how everyone got to know each other, found new friends, found out what was happening around town, what there was to do. And so I got pretty good at that. And Twitter has been probably the thing that I've been most successful with since starting the show as well. And I've kind of done two things. I've tried to market what I do fairly frequently, but I've also tried to post a lot about just the subject matter in general. Uh, There's one thing I've done where I ask like a a daily question and I don't ask one every day because I can't think of that many questions to ask. But (laughs) if you search the hashtag daily dmq it started off as dm questions and now it's it's opened up into just general ttrpg questions you can find all of the questions i've asked and all of everybody's answers as well and those have done fairly well as far as engagement goes it gives me a lot of ideas and it gives a lot of other people ideas about running their games and playing in their games and that kind of thing so that's been one thing that's worked really well i also have made waveform videos for my episodes for a while now as kind of a a promotion and I've been using a free tool called Headliner. It gives you five free videos a month. And it just so happens that that's as many episodes as I will release in a month. And so that's been nice. Just a little quick, like 30 second snippet of something interesting a guest said and post it. And that way people can get a, a little taste. And then maybe if they like what they've heard, they might go uh, listen to the episode. So yeah, I've been doing those things. I've done a little bit of like promotion swap here and there, but I don't, I can't say that I've seen like actual success from it. I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that promo swaps make that big of a difference. They might for like very early on, but when you're first starting, it's hard to find someone to promo swap with where it's going to be worth it for you and worth it for them, right? You have two separate audiences that will care about what each other is doing. So yeah, I'm not sure if that works or not, but if you have evidence to prove me wrong, prove me wrong. Like I'm happy to be proven wrong. You know, it's just, it just doesn't seem to be working for me thus far. That's kind of the extent of my marketing. Haven't run any ads on social media stuff. I've bought a few ads on other shows here and there. And again, I'm not sure if it's done a ton, but it's, it's done something probably. I think that that engaging with the community wherever you happen to be and being, like I said earlier, really friendly and genuine is a good way to win people over slowly. They may follow you and follow your account. For instance, I have probably 5,000 and some change followers on Twitter right now. I do not get that many listens to my episodes, not even close. But if I could get close to that, I'd have a pretty good show running. So people are going to follow you even though they don't listen to your show. And that's okay. And if you just keep engaging and giving them interesting content, who knows, maybe down the road, they give it a shot. And so I guess that's kind of my advice there. I think there's a lot of really good advice and wisdom in there. A lot of trial, a lot of error. Yeah. (laughs) 
It always is. It's it's a grind. And it's just a matter of, okay, well, what's going to work today? And hopefully it'll work tomorrow. Sometimes it mm-hmm. does. Sometimes it doesn't. I would say I've seen just trying to be a good member of the community and engage here and there pay off a couple of times. Mostly when people look at your account, you know, if you've reached out to them and asked them to be a guest or to collaborate with you, they're going to go look at what you say and what you do. Because if you're a jerk, they're not going to want to talk to you. But if they can tell that you're friendly and genuine in your interactions with all of your followers and such, then they'll know what kind of person you are and be more likely to give it a shot. I had Shelly Mazanoble, one of the co-hosts of the official D&D podcast, reach out a month or so ago and asked me to be on. And it was basically purely based on me just being around on Twitter and tweeting and, and, you know, starting conversations and this and that. And she saw it and she liked what she saw. So you never know who's watching and what lists people have on their computer. I have lists. You know, I have a a whole Trello board full of people I want to I want to have on the show someday. It's way longer than I'll ever get to. But yeah, people are constantly making lists of, of people they want to collaborate with and to be on those lists. Be be yourself, be genuine, and who knows what will happen. I think that is definitely really smart. And it's it's so true. Like anytime that I'm scouting out for guests too, like that might be a little bit smaller and less well-known, but they do something I think is cool. It's mm-hmm. always hoping that I scroll a little bit further down their profile and that it's still seems cool and not yep yeah <laughs> yeah no no nazi memes or whatever yeah you know mm, for sure. out there Jeez. <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah i do want to make sure we've got time for some questions i like to ask and have an interview yes. so when looking back at the last year which it's legitimately been a year since last april as you've kind of stumbled into making the show and really just run with it and develop something truly cool. What would you say has been the most challenging part? As far as just like hours spent, it's definitely the editing. That was super challenging just to to learn how to do it, to learn how to make it sound good, and then to get better at it, to get faster at it. It's just a lot of hours a week. And when you're turning out an episode every week, you know, it's, it's, it's just a lot of work and it took a lot of time. I did get a lot faster at it and I feel like I have a pretty good ear for it now. But yeah, that that was just one challenging thing. I had done musical things in the past, but never like editing like this, you know, so very different and, and challenging. Also, I think the whole building an audience and, and like being patient has been challenging as well. It helps to realize that the audience probably isn't, unfortunately, isn't that big for this kind of stuff. And like you said, neither you or I is going to get rich off podcasting. And that's okay. I've accepted that. And, and realizing that it's not a personal failing if you're not growing, you know, by 50% every week or, or you know, you have less followers than someone who started on Twitter at the same time as you or whatever it might be. There's a million ways to con- compare yourself to other people. But as long as what you're doing is fun and you're enjoying it and other people are enjoying it too, then I say it's uh, worthwhile and you should keep plugging away at it. So yeah, those have been some challenging things. Comparing myself, editing, realizing that it's going to take a lot longer to find that success that I think I deserve for my work, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I feel that. (laughs) I feel all of that. Editing is definitely the bane of my existence some days. (sighs) There's nothing you can do at the same time either. That's the thing that bugs me right? the most. You can't watch TV. You can't listen to music. I 
I, for a while, fooled myself into thinking I could like watch a sports game on mute and edit, but like neither got done very well. I would either watch the game too much or I'd edit too much and miss stuff. And Mm. so it was a failed experiment, but I tried. But yeah, there's just nothing else you can do. It's just a slog and you got to get through it. Yeah, there's definitely been days where I just cannot focus on it for some reason. And I'll catch myself on Twitter and be like, wait, I didn't just hear the last five minutes. Crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And when you're editing, you can get so nitpicky too. Like, ooh, ooh, that that little breath. They're like, I want to smash these two words together where there was an um in the middle. Can I make it work? And blah, blah, blah. You can get way too uh-huh. into the weeds. I will say I like my new editor because I get to edit via the transcript. And I can right click and click a button and all of the ums and uhs are gone instantly. What do you use? Descript. Yeah, I have been recommended that by a few people. I'll have to check it out. That alone has probably cut an hour out of editing, depending on how much the person says um and uh. I've had people who say it every other word, and then I had a guest who I don't think said it once. His name was Ben. He goes by at never not DM. And he told me afterward, because I said, I don't think you said a single um. <laughs> he said, yeah, I was on the debate team and this and that. And so mm. I've drilled it out of my vocabulary. I was very impressed. I couldn't believe it. That leads me to another question that... I feel is related. Were there any like verbal ticks that you didn't realize that you had that you discovered? A lot of the time when I'm transitioning, when I'm, I've said something, some witty anecdote to what they've said. And then I'm transitioning to the next question. I usually go. So it's always so, so, Mm -hmm. so that's, that's the one verbal tick I've got for sure. That's that's probably the one that I recognize the most. I can see it like in the (laughs) waveform. I'm like, ah, yes, there is my so. I do it too. I've accepted that one. Yeah. There was one where I would say the word just all of the time and Ooh. I trained myself out of that and then just replaced it with something else. So, so that was frustrating. Just. It's fine. We all do it. Mm-hmm. So we talked about what has been a challenge. So let us flip that around now and tell me again, looking back over the last year of this show and all of the fun things that have come out of it, what would you say has been the most rewarding part? Yeah, I think the conversations themselves are super rewarding. I love chatting with people who are super passionate about what they do. And I've been able to talk to a lot of really cool, really talented people. So that's been a big reward. Also, it's really rewarding to hear from people who say, wow, this show has made me run games better because that was the whole point, right? And Mm -hmm. When someone tells me that, then I know that I have achieved my goal from the get-go. Lastly, I love the before and after recording where you're just kind of shooting the breeze and you can just tell that you're friends with this person. You know, like we just chatted for an hour and, and now we're friends and and I can call them my friend. But that's also really rewarding when you chat with someone and they're exactly as they seem and they're really friendly and they're funny and you get along with them. And yeah, that, that's probably my favorite part. I love that too. Yeah. No pressure after we're done recording here, I guess, you know. Oh God, you even have to talk to him again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to be my friend, just say so. It's okay. I'll accept it. <laughs> no, I would actually like to be your friend, Derek. <laughs> 
Well, as we wind down, do you have any upcoming projects or goals that we haven't talked about that you are excited about? Let's see. I had a few other guest spots in the past few months that have been a lot of fun. As far as upcoming projects, I did mention T4C Studios and kind of working on some stuff with them. I don't have anything specific nailed down right now, like dates or exactly what we're going to do. But we do have some some fun ideas for summer games, for summer streams. Uh, so really excited about that. I'm really excited about the rest of my season I've got here. The next three of my guests are, are I guess, some of the, the fun guests that I've got coming up. So by the time this comes out last week, I will have t- uh, released my episode with Will, who does D&D shorts. And if you're on TikTok or YouTube, you've seen him. He does the cool things you could do in D&D, pop, whatever. And he has, has a fun of uh, a ton of fun animations and he talks about the crazy builds you can do as little TikTok videos. So he he recently I had him on. It was a lot of fun. Mike, who is known as Sly Flourish, who wrote the Lazy Dungeon Master's Guide and Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, he will be coming out the same week-ish as this. So that was really cool. And then next week, I've got Kat Kruger coming on. And Kat is the DM of D20 Dames, which is an actual play show, all women, all femme cast, and it's kid-friendly. And also, she was the one who wrote all of the adventures that they put on the as little prizes for those nerds bites. You remember those D&D candy nerds that came out? It was like nerds surrounding licorice. Yeah. So there were seven different adventures that came out as part of that. And she wrote all of them. And so that was really cool to, to chat with her. She'd written like young adult novels and stuff before ever getting into D&D. Yeah, that'll be next week. Really excited for everybody to hear about that. Kat was super nice and loves D20 Dames and love her other work too. So yeah, those are those are some fun things for everybody to look forward to, including me. I can't wait to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, I look forward to listening to those. Some of them I will have already listened to by the time this comes out. Well, Derek, this has been awesome. If people want to find you, find your podcast, where should they go? Yeah, so we talked about it. I'm I'm most active on Twitter. That's at HN, the number two DM. Hopefully it hasn't burned down by the time this episode (laughs) comes out. So yeah, I'm most active on there. You can also check out links to guest spots and to other social medias and to my podcast by going to Linktree slash hn the number two dm so the same way the link tree is also in my bio on twitter so yeah you can find it there you can find my podcast everywhere that you can find roleplay grow so you know wherever it is i guarantee you if you're done listening here you can go search how not to dm you can find me there subscribe you know, follow whatever it is on your specific platform and check out a few of my latest guests. We talked about it. My first season is a little rough audio wise, but if you're a completionist, then start there. If not, just kind of pick and choose your way through the seasons, find someone that you're interested in and start listening. And uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. I can promise that y'all will enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. And Derek's got some really great guests and will, I'm sure, continue to have some. But Susie, thank you for coming on today. This has been uh, fun and I've enjoyed getting to pick your brain on podcasting. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Courtney. A lot of fun. Really enjoyed the episodes of your show I've listened to as well. Uh, A few of my friends have been on and then also lots of people who are doing lots of interesting things. And like I said, there's so many different people, so many different talents in the TTRPG world. So I love that you're giving a platform to them. You just finished another episode of Role Play Grow. To check out the show notes and transcript from today's episode, 
you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account or at RPG for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. You can also find me on Patreon at Roll, Play, Grow. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Roll, Play, Grow.